As a business growth mentor and success strategist, Amira Alvarez is passionate about helping female entrepreneurs create abundant businesses that support their ideal lifestyles. With over 20 years of experience as a high-performance coach, she's helped thousands of clients transform their mindsets, overcome limiting beliefs, and achieve their goals. Through her business, The Unstoppable Woman, coaching and training programs, she empowers females to break through their income ceilings and create sustainable success while owning their raw feminine power. Amira is also a sales expert and wealth building mentor. Today on the podcast, Amira serves up some mindset techniques, gut checks, and practical advice to show you how to make more money. Let's go. Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. We interview women in the sports and entertainment businesses to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. Let's bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join us week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Amira Alvarez. We are so excited to have you. She is the unstoppable woman, business coach and strategist for high achievers. And today we are going to talk money, money mindset, and all sorts of amazing themes that are going to support you in your career. So Amira, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. I'm super excited to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me on. I am the founder and CEO of a company called The Unstoppable Woman, and we help high achievers really execute at a higher level and see what's possible for them and close the gap on time on how to go about achieving bigger and bigger dreams that you may only think are are pipe dreams right now, but but how to do that now. And a big part of that is breaking through on the financial front. If you don't have that dialed in, it limits so much. So I can't wait to to dive into that part of the conversation as well. We certainly know a thing or two about high achievers on this podcast. I think so much of our audience and also our interviewees are people who really go after it, um, whether it's achieving the promotion, asking for a raise, going after a new big job. I don't think we're afraid of that, but we need the support to do it. And also, I think we need the wool pulled out from over our eyes about money and unlocking what is achievable to earn um, in your in your lifetime, in your year, in your month even. And that's where I want to kick it back to you to tell us, how did you get to where you are? What led you to start the Unstoppable Woman Um, Who do you help and sort of what type of breakthroughs have you seen? Oh, such good questions. Okay. So my story is one of being the, the, the achiever, right? Like that's what I got kudos for growing up, like dot the I's, cross the T's, get, you know, be the top of the class kind of thing. All we always going for more and, and being able to achieve, but that was in the structure of, you know, School, academics, athletics give you structure. But when I started to work on my own and run my own business, I didn't have that structure. So all I knew how to do was the type of work that was like studying for the test or like doing this drill, like just doing the thing that someone else had told me to succeed. This is what you need to do. 
And I realized that it wasn't translating as well as I wanted it to in my own career. And it wasn't that I wasn't having some experience of success because I I was. I, I, I would not have said that I was falling behind in any way or not achieving. Like I had a certain level of achievement. My first year in business, I, I, I had worked in corporate. I'd done all of that. But my first year in business, probably six months, I made 30K that year. Not enough to like really make it viable, but I was like, okay, line in the sand. We got a little something done. Second year I made 90 K. I tripled my income. I felt pretty good about that. Third year I made 138 K across that mythical six figure mark started to feel pretty good about things. And, and by the way, I'm sharing these numbers because I think nobody talks about actual numbers. And I think it does everyone, including women, because that's my lane, that's my 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 peeps, a disservice because we don't know what's possible for ourselves. And anyways, that year, finished that year at 138. And I had this aha moment where I was working upstairs. My my then husband called upstairs and was like, hey babe, dinner's ready. And I said, I'll be right down. I just want to get one more thing done. Famous last words. Like an hour later, he called him and he's like, I'm starting. No guilt, no shame. Really good guy. Love that man. Like totally awesome human. And I stopped working because I was like, there's no way off off of this this, uh, hamster wheel, right? There's always more. This cannot be how I really hit higher levels of success. I'm looking at this inaccurately because my biggest tool, aside from like doing good work, being a good person was I'm just going to work harder than everyone else. I'm just going to put the time in and you can't, let's say I'd wanted to double my income. I couldn't, if it was based on hours, I couldn't double my hours to double my income, much less five times my hours to five times my income. So that year, just to long story short it here, that year, I really studied success and what successful people did, the actions they took, but also the mindset that they had when they were going about making decisions and deciding how to spend their time, what to work on, who to work with, all of those things. And that year, I five times my income. I went from 138 to 700K in one year. It was radical. It was a quantum leap. It was not for the faint of heart. I did a lot of, I did a lot of things. Um, I, it most challenging was facing all those inner game uh, identity pieces, which we can get into if you want. Um, but that was the biggest, those were the biggest emotional challenges. The actual tactical work, not that hard. The emotional pieces were were the most challenging. And then, you know, have grown the business beyond seven figures and multiple seven figures beyond that. But that that was the big quantum leap. And I had to then back engineer what the FDF did I just do? And that's now, that's now what I teach my clients and teach on the podcast um, that you were just on. We haven't released that episode yet, but Emily was just on the, our, our podcast by the same name as the business. And that's really like the, my focus is, is sharing what it takes to, to do 
that kind of thing that generally speaking, only a small percentage of people do. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in, in our line of work in sports and entertainment, I think a lot of women who work in corporate America, it's just work harder, right? Like just work harder, work harder, work harder, and the reward will come. That is the mindset that we have been taught. I think that was early on when we were kids, if you wanted to get better at a sport, you just worked harder. And then we apply that to our jobs today. So uh, I know that we don't have, you know, a month or two or a year to work with you. We have just, you know, half an hour today, but what are some of those quick, um, you know, pieces of, of information that you can give us to help us sort of cue into what you're talking about here? You mentioned things like how you spend your time, who you work with, you know, those are business terms that we can kind of wrap our mind around, but really you said the tactical part isn't that challenging. It's that mindset piece. So, so what is that for us who are, maybe we're stuck, you know, earning 90 K and that felt like the biggest jump because we had earned 35, you know, a couple of years yeah. earlier, and we break the six figure mark at 110, and all of a sudden our eyes are opened a little bit like, wow, I'm at that mythical six figure that I've been chasing for 10 years in my career. How do we push past that? Like what else is there for us when we look down the road? Yeah, this is, this is huge. So first desire is the first step. You have to have a desire for something more for yourself. And I find even with super smart, super driven on it, women, we cap our desire because we haven't been in the room with people who have bigger desires. So one of the, the, the things that I did, so success leaves, leaves clues. And you may have heard this. It's like, who are the, the, the five people you spend the most time with? And that is a huge thing. So I put myself in the room with people who think bigger. Now that can be an actual room like you join a mastermind, you join a coaching program, you network with certain people, you join certain organizations where people who are far above, above you in terms of levels of success are hanging out, or it can simply be listening to podcasts, right? Like I, I put myself, I listen to billionaires now. I'm like, what are they saying? Okay. That's not started listening, but that's where I, where I am now. I'm like, okay, I need to get out of my capped version of uh, possibility for myself. And now someone else, I just had a, I just was hanging out with some very wealthy, successful entrepreneurs this past couple of days. And one of the, my good friends, we were at lunch and we were sitting and talking and he was talking about the jet that he wants. It, that's like one of his goals. And I was asking him, why he wants a jet, because my desire isn't to have a jet. So I want to be clear here that just because you put yourself in the room with people who are thinking perhaps bigger than you doesn't mean that those are necessarily your goals, but don't, here's a success tip. Don't, don't say that's not for me. Ask a question. Like, why are you going for that? Now he's going for it because every time he goes through TSA, they, they pat him down. Okay. And he's like done with that. Okay. But I'm also at a, a time in my life where I've achieved a lot of the big sort of money goal pieces. And, 
I'm my, my goals and desires are not around that, but I love what that call, why that was calling him forward. Like he was no longer available for a toleration in his life. Okay. So these are little things that I track as I listen. So put yourself in a room with bigger people who have done more. Don't, don't uh, be afraid to be the small fish in the big room. Okay. Like I'd rather be a small fish in the big ocean than the big fish in the, in the small pond. Okay. So claim that desire and then do everything you need to. And that's like short summary for like a lifetime of work that I teach to, to, to up-level, to be someone who executes at that level. Well, I want to just restate a couple of things you said there. Like if, if it's not available to you in your current situation, maybe you've been on a, a leadership team or an executive board with the same people for 10 years and you haven't seen major changes in your life or in theirs, you know, maybe it's time to get a little bit uncomfortable and put yourself in a bigger space. You mentioned things like masterminds. Um, you mentioned um, coaching. I think coaching is becoming a lot more commonplace now in this industry than it was before, which I think is outstanding. Um, and if you feel right now like your budget, you know, lacks that ability or the company you're working for isn't going to back you, start with a podcast. And at least listening to those podcasts will start to plant those seeds in your head and rally or advocate for money in the budget for coaching or be willing to invest back in yourself and spend your own dime because you know it's going to pay forward in the end. So what do you think is the biggest mindset block that women are encountering right now in their career? Just riffing on all of this. They're not thinking big enough, so they're not asking big enough. Okay. So we know that women get paid 83 cents on the dollar. Now, why is that? They, they're brilliant. They're smart. They're hardworking. They, they're good people. Why is it that that's happening? And if we own personal responsibility and not just look at it as a systemic issue, which it is, so let's acknowledge that. But if we take personal responsibility in our lives, I'm going to ask you, why you're not asking for it, okay? And this is where the inner game piece comes in because we're taught not to ask, okay? We're conditioned not to ask. We're conditioned to put our desires second. We're conditioned to think that if we ask and we're rejected, we shouldn't ask again, right? Or someone else defines our value or someone else defines what a job uh, position is. Well, we don't like that job position. We're really good at this. Let's go in and say, I'd like to make a proposal about what I'm really good at and how you can leverage this. Like what's keeping you from having those kinds of conversations. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I have on my mind right now, and particularly because I'm doing a retreat that's coming up and the theme of the retreat is money follows authority. And this is so key. Because if you don't own your authority, even if you think you do great work, you're not owning it. You're no one else is going to like deliver that on a plate for you. Okay. No one else is going to come to you and say, Hey, you know, we want to offer you all of this. They're going to say, we want to offer you all of this and we want to pay you this. And, and you're going to be like, Oh, well, that sounds like a great position. 
I'm going to say yes to it instead of saying, yeah, that sounds like a great position. And they really need me because I'm really good at this. So this is what I'm going to ask for. Okay. And not in a belligerent way, but like, you know, I own my authority here. Yeah. I love how you said that. And there's a few things there that just were kind of aha moments for me, right? We're given, we apply for a job and the job comes with a title, a job description and a salary. And then we pretzel ourselves to fit into what that is. And then when we are awarded that offer, we're ecstatic. We won. We won the position. We say yes. And we start the job. A lot of women work in sales that are in the uh, the sports and entertainment industry. Um, we're, we're selling partnerships. We're selling tickets. We're always asking for the sale. But when it comes to asking for it for ourselves, you know, there's a gut check there. Like, are you doing it? And when is the last time you did it? When's the last time you used the process you have to earn money for the company to earn money for yourself? You create the proposal, you do the pitch, you make the ask, and then you close the deal. Like, are you doing that for your own personal income? And I, I want to like write down on the top of every paper I have money follows authority. When you are in that position, you're taking a position of authority, you're demonstrating your knowledge and you're advocating for yourself. When I was hiring, if I was hiring for a salesperson and they didn't ask me for uh, more money than I was offering, sometimes they didn't end up like closing the job because if they weren't going to advocate and ask for more for themselves, I wasn't sure that they were going to go after it for the business and sales. So this is all just like really firing in my brain right now, what you're saying that money follows authority and are you asking for what you should be? Absolutely. hundred percent. And sales is such a great uh, piece to bring in because, you know, you have to learn how to do sales if, if you're, you're in that position, but if you don't know how to do it for yourself, it's such a different thing. So I, I work with a lot of women who are, who are in corporate, want to start their own, um, business. They want to go out as a consultant, freelancer, all of that. And I work with people who run their own businesses already and teach them how to do sales, doing sales for yourself, for your own business is a totally different energy, a skill set than doing it for someone else. Start practicing now. Just like use it as practice. Use your system. You're good at it already. Use it for when you either want to negotiate your own position within the organization you're already in, or you're looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. Does it, it like use it as practice? The the I mean, you know this in in sales. Like the the what can happen? You're already at no right? You're already where you're at. So might as well ask. You are already at no. I love it. And whether you plan on going out on your own or staying within a corporate system or structure or team, you are still your own entity. You're still your own LLC that needs to advocate for yourself. So think about it through that lens, whether you are planning to open your own business and do consulting or whatever it is, like, like you were just talking about, or you're staying within the system, you still are your own entity who needs to ask for what they're worth and, and earning, earning your money. That's that in itself is like a mindset shift. So how are you talking about yourself as your company? How are you 
advocating for yourself? How are you promoting yourself? What are you putting out there that is going to attract your next offer, whether that is um, a client on the consulting side or a bigger, better, badder job with a higher earning salary? I'd love to add something to this. And it circles back to your first question, which is like, well, what are some of the things you can do? Right. And so there's this advocating for yourself. There's this owning your authority. It, and one of the things that I notice with women in particular, not always, not all women. So this is a generalization is that we're really good at, at crossing the T's dotting the I's, right. Getting the, the work done and we're good worker bees. And I had to learn that being a good worker bee isn't what moves money. Sales is what moves money. Okay. So you need to be in your, in your position, in your career, a really good salesperson. So think about how you do sales for the corporation. You build relationships, you get in rooms with people, you have conversations. What I see, what I saw when I was working in corporate was that I was really great at my job. I was heads down, got the work done, worked harder than everyone else, but I wasn't at the water cooler having the conversation. I wasn't building the relationships. I wasn't checking in. The CEO knew who I was, gave me a pat on the back, but I wasn't building a strong relationship with the people in the corporation that could up-level me. Now it's not ask, 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 give it's give, 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 be someone who they want to know who they think of, but build that network. So what are you, what are you spending your time on? Okay. When you're in business for yourself, you need to be spending your time on networking relationships, sales, marketing. Okay. Lots of other things, but most, most people spend their time on the worker bee stuff when they really would be much more, uh, it's a higher leverage is, is those relationships. Okay. And so look at how you're spending your, your time. It's such a, um, that calendar edit, right? Like, are you doing all the worker bee stuff all day long and you're too exhausted to go to the networking event? Where is your energy being poured into? And how much is it serving your growth, which goes hand in hand with, with your current employer, like the better you're doing as an individual, the more success the company is seeing. And I'll tell you, my career grew because I could produce, I could make money for the company. And that's when you start getting recognized. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't the person doing the worker bee stuff, making the most beautiful proposals. I was out there pounding the pavement and getting the sales done. And that's when my career started to, to elevate. And you said that, uh, you know, women are paid 83% of what men are paid. You know, that statistic, that inequity is even greater for black and Hispanic women. What do you think we can do to proactively work against this awful statistic? We talked about some of, some of the themes that each of us can do as individuals and, I want to acknowledge at the top of the episode how much you shared about how much you earn. And that is, I think, so empowering for our listeners to know what's possible. We talk so much about, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And you sharing 
how much money is you are earning, how much it is possible to earn that much, I think is, is a great start. But what are, what are some of your tips? So I'm just going to go a little rapid fire here. So we talked about this a little bit, but ask for it. Okay. Personal responsibility. It, it's systemic. We know that, but don't be a st- statistic. If you want to change the statistics, be someone who does that. Okay. Don't be reactive. Don't be like, it's happening to me. Be someone who, who's the exception. Okay. Own that, own that you want more, own that you want to get paid 1.25%, not just equitable, like own that you really want to, to, to live a life where you're, you get paid your value. Uh, we talked about money follows authority. This is all about owning your value, owning your worth. Okay. Understanding that that's valuable. And there's so many internal, uh, identity shifts that you have to make. You know, when I was making that big quantum leap and then every year as we grow the company, you know, and it's a, it's a multi seven figure company. Now I'm, I ask myself, who do I need to be, to be someone who does this? Okay. Again, that's personal responsibility right back on me. I'm not looking at anyone else saying you're going to give this to me. You know, I'm owed this. That's not, that's not how it's done. Create value. You mentioned that like I was a producer. Okay. Create value. Be someone who creates value in this world. Not just because you think you do, you're entitled to it, but be someone who creates value. The law of compensation says that you'll be compensated according to the need for what you do, your ability to deliver it, and the difficulty in replacing you. If you could do all three of those things, you've created much more value. You have to become bigger than your present place. And that's a little bit of a chicken and egg um, situation. Like how do you become bigger than your present place? If you're locked into a mindset that keeps you here, how do you actually become someone who works at that level? Now, the thing that I didn't tell you, Emily, is like when I did that big quantum leap that, that first year, I was going for a million dollars. My, my goal was not 700 K it was a million. And, you know, this might sound a little like, um, Oh, poor, poor little, little you. Right. Um, I cried when I didn't make that. Okay. And I had to wake up to the fact that I had still done something incredible and stay persistent with it so that the next year I could hit that. So persistence is a huge thing. Now, none of this, if you noticed is speaking to the particular inequity inequities for people who are not white, because that's not the lens through which I see making money. Okay. I don't see it. I don't look at it when I'm hiring someone. I don't look at it, um, in, in how I approach my own money-making I'm, I approach it like everyone needs to do these things. Am I doing them? And where am I? Cause I still work, walk the talk and, and work this process. Where do I need to step up my level of action internal and external, um, to get myself to the next level. And, you know, the man that I was talking to, and I know it's not a a woman, but the man I was talking to, who I was having a conversation with about the jet, you know, non-white human. Okay. But that's not what I led with in the conversation, because what I, what was most impactful 
to me. I actually, I only thought about it in the context of this. What was most impactful was that here's my friend and he's really like, he, he's, you know, I'm 52. He's, he's a little bit younger and he's really like, he wants to, you know, be in that billionaire like place. And I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting that he has that drive. Do I have that drive? Like, that's the kind of thing that I'm tapping into. I'm not looking at the color of his skin. Okay. I would just encourage everyone to, to, to like, not, not say that there aren't systemic problems that need to be fixed, but because there are, we need to acknowledge that, but like own, own it as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk so much about personal responsibility. It's putting the ball back in our court to be in charge of our own careers. So is there a a different piece of advice that you would give a woman who felt stuck in her career? Where, where would you start with her? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a little self-serving. It's going to sound that way, but I would get coached. I would get out of your own like story. Stop, stop just being like, okay, it's okay to be stuck. Recognize that it's not okay to be stuck, that you're smart. Here's one of the things that I hear. Oh, I should be able to do it myself. Like if I'm so smart, like the, the thing that was running through my head was if I'm so smart, why is this so hard? Okay. And I realized it was because I was freaking trying to prove that I could do it myself. The moment I got mentored and coached and put myself in bigger rooms and had someone else's perspective who had done it before, it changed everything for me. Cause I was, I was like, Oh, my standards here, but my, my standard needs to be way up here. This is the standard. Okay. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of women are like scared to confront that. And you have to look at that. If you're scared to confront that, are you, is, is, is that fear of confronting that more scary than I don't know about you, but I love learning more about myself. If there's a quiz out there to help me better understand who I am, I'll take it. If there's a journal prompt, I'm using it. But how about a business that helps female leaders communicate effectively while inspiring confidence and trust in those you want to impact? Sign me up. Breakthrough Brands is unlocking clarity for women leading progress. They build leadership brands for women to discover what inspires them, define what drives them, and unlock how to share their brands with others. Do you want to gain clarity on your personal brand? Shoot me a note at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com or on Instagram, and we will introduce you to the women who will help you unlock your leadership brand. That's breakthroughbrands.com. At Leadership is Female, we are serious about supporting you in your career. That includes the tips to get you ahead inside your current organization or provide you with the next big opportunity in a new role. That's why we have partnered with Legacy Search, an executive recruiting firm specializing in mid to senior level executive searches across professional, collegiate, and minor league sports. Check out the openings listed at LegacySportsSearch.com or in our monthly Leadership is Female newsletter. Hint, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, head to leadershipisfemale.com. If you find a job listed at Legacy Sports Search that looks like it should be yours, email us at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com and we will introduce you directly to the opportunity. This is your career. Make the most of it. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a busy professional. We can agree we are always looking for products that are convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. It's a water bottle and a foam roller in one. 
I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of class to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps with recovery and gets me back to work faster. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale, all one word, to get 15% off. Support Lonnie Cooper, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness water bottle. What will happen to you if you continue to stay stuck? Like you have to play out that timeline of staying stuck. Okay. I can remember as you're talking about this, like being in, being in one of those bigger rooms, I was at a conference and I'm hearing these people speak on stage. I'm sitting at this table of of people around me and hearing about the things they've done, where they're, they are in their career and feeling this overwhelming amount of, um, I guess the only way I could describe it is like anxiety. Like, I'm just like, oh gosh, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? So I, I knew like the will was inside of me, but the, it, but the massive confusion, it was like, um, like that game mousetrap where the, the tubes are going everywhere and you don't know which direction to go next. And I just, I have so much empathy for like that, Emily at, at that point in time. And I know that so many women are, are there and we have coaches when we're young, like you don't learn to play a new sport. You don't, you don't learn period without a teacher. And then it's like the minute we turn 18 and we exit school or we stop playing our organized sports, like that all ends when you have more of your life to live on the other side of 18 than you had up to that point. So it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. And I think it's so great that your audience is, is really used to the coaching model from athletics. And you have to think, why wouldn't you have someone in your life that's going to help you with your career? Like who has a bigger vision, who understands what's possible, who understands what it actually takes. Okay. Who's going to keep drilling into you again and again and again. And, and so that that's just such an important piece. And then the other thing that I really did, Emily, which is something that I love, I, I love teaching is I learned the laws of success. And that was a big, a big part of, um, understanding how to think differently and not just thinking according to the conditioned subconscious programming that was driving me and everyone, right. That the the programming that we get brought up with is what causes us to make decisions. And if, you know, you know, our parents did the best they could with what they had, but it wasn't necessarily like my parents weren't necessarily, you know, making the big money. So they weren't teaching me to think like that. And in fact, they were teaching me to think like, you know, well, rich people don't have good values and they take advantage of people and they must um, not, not be good humans. Right. Which is all an excuse. It's, it's all the things we say to justify not having done it ourselves. Okay. I can identify with that so much. I think any, any person now in their thirties, forties, who grew up in middle-class America in the eighties, nineties, and even early two thousands can identify with that story. You know, this, you, you had your parents made this much amount of money, which was more than their parents made. This was where it would be great for you to be. And there wasn't like 
okay, if they doubled what their parents made, they weren't telling a story like you should be doubling what we make and, and achieve this greater level of success. It was kind of the contrary, like what you were discussing about people who make more money are this certain way, which is, you know, it's, it's bizarre, right. That we have that story kind of beat into our head. And, and Emily, I'll tell us a story about this. So the many years after I started making significant income in my business and, um, starting to, to treat myself better financially as well, I went to visit my parents in California. Now they're divorced. And so I, I was visiting them separately and I had I, I can recall the, the visceral response internally to planning this trip and seeing my parents. I was like, oh, they're going to judge me for staying at this hotel and they're going to judge me for the kind of car I'm renting. Like I was thinking about, do I rent the luxury sports car that I normally rent whenever I go on a trip or do I get the compact because it's going to flip my, my parents out to see this. And I was, I was in this, like, make myself small because they're going to be made uncomfortable. And in fact, I picked them both up separately, had different, um, experiences with them. And both of them, when they sat in the car, cause I got the sports car, right. They sat in the car and they said, Oh, I usually rent a compact, but this is nice. And they leaned back into it. So they said exactly what I, I knew they were going to send say, because that was the world they grew up in and, and it was fine. It was like zero judgment, but I was afraid of it being a judgment. And then they appreciated it. And they were, I mean, they're very proud of what mm-hmm. um, I've been able to accomplish, but I, it doesn't go away, but you have to face it anyway. Yeah. Well, and you know, you touched on behavior there, right? Like you wanted something for yourself. And you changed your behavior based on what you thought others would perceive. And that can be in big ways and that can be in small ways, like your choice of footwear, going to the office. Do you want to wear hot pink pumps or Air Force Ones? Like what fits you as a person better that you're that most comfortable, authentic self that's ready to go in there and just crush it at work. And if you're putting on a mask, it makes it a lot more difficult. Like you're not living into who you are. And I think we get a little sideways in the authentic self conversation because I don't think you bring, you know, uh, all your baggage and your baby and your, you know, everything else. But, but you have to, what, what I'm saying in that conversation is like being true to yourself, like who you are on the inside so that you are the most confident you can be to, to get the job done. Period. 100%. Yeah. And Power shoes are important just to affirm that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, I would love to hear, we've heard so much about you. You're so inspiring. I'm just loving this whole conversation. Can you tell us the story of, of a woman you've worked with? I think we learn so much through hearing the stories of others so that we can know what's possible. So can you tell us the success story of someone that an unstoppable woman? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to share one of a a recent client. Okay. So she is, she is someone who became a client when she was still in corporate. Okay. So she was, I will be transparent. Most of my clients are 
entrepreneurs, small business owners, freelancers, people who are running their own gig. But probably there's a there's a certain percent that are in corporate and they're running their their career. When she first started the the mastermind coaching group that we have, which is called the Spirit of Wealth, um, she was running a team of I think like four or seven, like a small no. She was running a team of four, and it was like she came and she was like oh my God, I have 10 people that I'm going to start managing. Okay. And she was flipping out and, and it was a big deal for her. I totally get that. By the time she left corporate, she was running a team of 400, 400. And she had a salary with comp that was 10 times what she was making in the beginning. I'm making up that number a little bit, but she went from low six figures to very, very high six figures. Okay. And then she told me that what she really wanted to do was this coaching because she loved what was happening, but she felt like she had golden handcuffs on because she had this great position. And, And that position happened within three years. Okay. Which is pretty freaking unheard of. Um, to have that level of increase in, in corporate in those three years. And she bought her dream apartment in the upper West side of, of New York. And like, she had achieved a lot of things and I was like, okay, well we can do this, but you need to, you need to be a badass and you need to do what I tell you to do. And that's like, like nothing changes, but you have to realize that you're not going to make what you're making right now, the first year you're out, but we can get you over six figures in the first year. And that is pretty unheard of for any coach. Most, most coaches make, you know, 25 K they, they don't make money over the six figure mark um, ever. So you're doing great if you're making over six figures as a coach. And she did that. She made um, something like 140 K her first year. And she did that by learning how to do sales for herself really continuing to work the mindset pieces, taking consistent, persistent action and interacting with me whenever she hit a block so that she could move through it faster than just thinking that she had to DIY it all the time. And now this is someone who's been working her mindset and doing it in this other career. Now she applied it here and she really, um, she's kicking ass, taking names. So I'm really super proud of her. I love to hear that. And it's a story of internal success inside corporation and then uh, the shift to become an entrepreneur. So, you know, coaching is, is for internal and it is for external because as we discussed today, like you are your own LLC, no matter how you're operating. And um, Amira, you've been so empowering for us today and really unlocking a lot of that money mindset. So where can we follow along with you? Where can we interact with you, reach out to you if we want that help? Yeah, absolutely. So the two best places, well, there's a lot of best places, but definitely check out the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I suggest going back to the beginning, searching the episodes. There's a ton of content and teaching on there. We've at times done coaching uncut where Um, clients have given me permission to record our coaching calls and that's shared on there. So there's a lot of great coaching um, in, in addition to interviews on the podcast. And that's the unstoppable woman podcast on all the the 
the podcast channels. And then our website, if you go there, which is the unstoppablewoman.com and you go to our free stuff page, we have lots of different downloads that you can engage with us on there. We're going to be doing ever more, but you'll see um, downloads and you'll get on our newsletter list where we're, we share more great content and then all the social media channels under either my name, Amira Alvarez, or under the unstoppable woman, uh, we have business accounts and personal follow us in both places, engage with us. Um, yeah. And then if, if you're really interested, you can always reach out to us on our website. Um, there's a consult button and we're happy to like have a conversation about what it takes to really go to the next level. Amazing. I love it. All right. We end every episode with this final question. What is your favorite quote? Ooh. Oh, this is good for this, the topic that we talked about today. Mm -hmm. My favorite quote is from Robert Hollywell. And it says, when the desire is felt, the supply is ready to appear. So can I translate that? Can I? Yes. I love it. So when you have a desire for something more, it is here and it's here now. It's not in a different time. It's not in a different place. It's here and it's in, it's here now. It's just in supply, meaning it's in the non-form. It's not, you haven't actualized it yet. And, but because you have the desire, it is here and it's here now. So then you have to become someone who up levels to being able to call that in, to do the, the work on the 3D both in terms of identity, inner game, you know, mindset, authority, and the tactical outer game pieces, you have to actually take the action to, to make that happen. But if you have the desire and it's a real true desire, it is here, which is like, mm, then, then you can call it in. Then, you know, you can make it happen. I love that. And we all have that, um, the thing we're thinking about, right? So what's the next right step to take action. Ask yourself that. And um, hopefully you all were inspired today. I know I was. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us on the Leadership is Female podcast. It's been great being here, Emily. Thanks for having me. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, put yourself in the rooms with people who make more money than you. Number two, you are not thinking big enough. You are not asking big enough. Number three, Money follows authority. And number four, in the law of compensation, it must be difficult, if not impossible, to replace you. Ask yourself, where do I need to step up my value with action? Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Time is your most precious resource, and it means the world that you spent it with us. Please help us reach more people who need to hear these interviews by hitting the subscribe button and the five-star rating on your iPhone. Do you know someone who could benefit from this interview? Please share it. Take a screenshot and post your Instagram stories, copy the link and share on LinkedIn, or text that link to your colleague. The Leadership is Female podcast exists to showcase female leadership in sports and entertainment and give you the tips to level up. We will extend a hand back to lead you forward. Extend the same hand by sharing this with someone who needs to hear it. One last thing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at leadershipisfemale. Now, take this lesson and run. Let's go.